welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Amen and amen and amen. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Epiphany Fellowship. We are so glad you decided to worship with us this morning. Excited, excited, excited uh, to bring uh, to bring the word this morning. I hope you're excited for the word. Uh, if you are, and even if you aren't, uh, you, like we're going to get in this word anyway, but uh, why don't you do me a favor? I know you're at home, but why don't you stand with me as we get ready to read God's word? If you would join me in Genesis chapter 32, Genesis chapter 32, uh, we're going to be primarily in verses 24 through 30, but I want to read, uh, I want to start a little early in verse 22, if that's all right. Genesis chapter 32, uh, verses 24 through 30, but I'm going to start reading in verse 22. So if you have your Bible, meet me there. Uh, here's the word of the Lord. It says this, it says, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two slave women and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of Jabbok. And he took them and sent them across the stream along with all of his possessions. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. And then he said to Jacob, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob. He replied, your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob then named that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, he said, yet my life has been spared. If I could this morning for our time, I just want to tag our text. Don't let go too soon. Don't let go too soon. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come humbly before you this morning. Ready to receive from you what you have for us in your word. For in your word, Lord, you say that it is truth. That's what Jesus prays in his High priestly prayer in John chapter 17, he says, your word is truth. And then he says about us, about your people, he says, sanctify them in your truth. So, God, that's all we pray this morning, that you would sanctify us by your word, that you would show us a clear picture of who you are, clear picture of who we are and how we are to grow as disciples and image bearers who desire to please you in every single area of our lives. God, we pray that you might receive all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise this morning and every single day forward. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Don't let go too soon. There was a gentleman by the name of Leo Tolstoy, who is widely considered to be the, the greatest uh, Russian author um, that's, that's ever existed. And in one of his uh, writings, he, he wrote uh, this 
statement or said this statement. He said, uh, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. Now, I, I think that's a rather profound statement because it's, it, 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 and, I, and I would agree, it's, it's sometimes easier to, to look out into the world and, and to see their flaws and, and see their shortcomings uh, a, a lot clearer than it is to see my flaws and, and my shortcomings. And, and, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit that it's, it's a whole lot more comfortable when the problems are external. It's, it's, it's a lot easier to deal with when, when I don't have to deal with me, but, but I can deal with them out there. It's, 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 it's easier to, to shift blame when, when I don't see myself as contributing to the issues, but see myself as, as a, a, a separate from uh, some of the problems that exist. You know, that's, that, that, that's one of the things that I, I love greatly about the, the virtue and vice list that we often see in the New Testament, uh, especially for the Christian, is because those lists, they, they help provide clarity for our blind spots to see where we are or, 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 or where we've been uh, and, and, and matching that up, measuring that up against where we need to be. It is in all uh, ways a summons for the people of God to change. But, but we also have to admit that, that change is not easy. Change, change comes through struggle. And since we don't change on our own, it's appropriate to suggest that we don't struggle against ourselves either. This brings me to my first and, and only point this morning. And, and then I'm, 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 I, I know all black pre preachers say it, but I promise I'm out your way. The people of God must resolve to wrestle with God until it is clear that we've been changed by God. Listen, let me say that for you one more again. The people of God must resolve to wrestle with God until it is clear that we've been changed by God. Now, 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 um, it's interesting to note some things that we got to take into consideration as we uh, enter into a passage like this. We are jumping right into the, the middle of an ongoing narrative uh, about the life of Jacob. And by the time we get here to verse uh, 24 of chapter 32, there are some things that he's concerned about. If you read earlier in chapter 32, especially in verse 7, you will see that Jacob uh, expresses through prayer as he's praying to God, as he's getting ready to go back home, he's expressing that he has great fear and trepidation and he is distressed about the fact that he has to come face to face with his brother Esau. Uh, now, now, I don't know if you know anything about the story of Jacob and Esau, but, but when they were younger, uh, uh, Jacob swindled Esau not out of not only his birthright, but out of his blessing as well. And Esau was a, a hunter. He was, he was, a, he was a, a, a man's man. He worked uh, uh, out, out, out in the wilderness, and uh, he had resolved in his heart to say that the, the next time I see my brother Jacob, I'm going to kill him. 
And so Jacob fled. His, his, uh, Jacob was a mama's boy. And so his mom sent him to his uncle Laban's house. So Jacob fled and, and he has been there for, for a good long time, over 20 years. And now he's making his way uh, back home. And so as he's sitting in this camp, as they travel back home, the, the, the stress and the fear are overwhelming him. And so he comes up with this plan and he says, you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll send my servants and my possessions ahead in a caravan. And with each caravan, I'll leave a gift for Esau. So that way, when, when he meets the first caravan and then when he meets the second caravan and, 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 and the third caravan and then when he sees my children and, 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 and he'll, he'll get gift after gift and he'll get these peace offerings. And so hopefully by the time that he gets to me, he won't be as angry as I'm expecting him to be. And so one of the things that Esau, uh, that Jacob prays uh, 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 as he's constructing this strategy of how he's going to meet, uh, eventually meet his brother, he prays to the Lord and he says, please rescue me from my brother Esau, for I am afraid of him. I, I, I'm, I'm glad we have texts like this where, where he, even though a joke, Jacob is, is somewhat of a joker, um, he, he, there's an authenticity of transparency that we hear in his prayer, that he's expressing to God a real concern for his anger, or not his anger, but for his fear. And he is terrified of meeting his brother, and he calls out to God. So we, we, we see that uh, eventually he gets up in the middle of the night and with his children, and he sends them across uh, the, jo- the Jabbok, and he, he goes across himself, and eventually he sends them far enough where he is left alone, uh, and, and it says, that's where we find ourselves in, in verse 24, where it says, Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Now, no, no, no. Um, what, one of the initial thoughts that comes to my mind, and, and I don't necessarily know if, if, if this is significant in the text or not. And so don't, don't hear me putting that on the text. But, but as I read this, one of the first things that jumped out to my mind was that jo- Jacob was alone. That he was all by himself, that there was fear and, and, and trepidation about this stressful situation that he was about to encounter this person that he was afraid of that he knew had every right to want to kill him and and he's he's left alone by himself to wrestle with this unknown man and and the reason that i find that significant is is for is because for me one of the things that it says is is there are some things in your life that nobody can wrestle but you so, you see, this is, you know, I, I, if you've listened to me preach uh, long enough, you know I'm a huge fan of old school wrestling. I, I love, uh, you know, that old school wrestling, like WWF, before it was WWE. I don't even acknowledge that. But, but back in the day, you know, you had tag team wrestling where there were two or more people and you would go to the ring. And if, if you got in trouble, you could, you could find your way to your corner and you could tag somebody else in who was fresh, uh, who, who, who had more stamina, who, who had more endurance and more perseverance, and they could come in and take your place and wrestle on your behalf for the team. And, 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 or even there were times when you were wrestling by yourself where somebody else would come in and interfere in the match 
to help you overcome your adversary. But one of the things that's absolutely clear here is that Jacob is by himself with no help coming from anywhere. And he is stuck. He is stuck wrestling in a match with this adversary that he does not know. And all I want to say is that there are some things in your life that God wants to work out of you, that God wants to place in you that's going to cause you to need to do some wrestling. And nobody's going to be able to do it but you. Not going to be able to tag yourself out of wrestling with God. Some of the issues and some of the character and some of the circumstances that you face in your life. There is a place for the people of God and godly community and godly counsel. But, but even with godly community and godly counsel, you can get godly counsel and still have to wrestle on your own. You know, we, I, I say that all the time. I think about it all the time. I can give you godly counsel, but I can't wrestle with God for you. Nonetheless, the Bible says, the text says that, that Jacob is left all alone. And, and somewhere during the course of the night, this man shows up. Uh, we don't know who this man is, uh, but we do know that he confronts Jacob in a personal way. How, I mean, how, how much more personal can you get than to show up out of nowhere and, and begin wrestling with somebody? And it's personal because in order to wrestle, you have to get up close. You have to, you got to put your, you got to put your hands on, on, on somebody. This is, this is a personal encounter. And yet as, as close as he is, his identity is still not fully disclosed. Isn't that interesting that as close of an encounter as he's having with Jacob, whoever this man is, it, Jacob still doesn't really know at this point who he is. You know, isn't it interesting that God doesn't always disclose that it's him that we're wrestling with? See, you, 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 thought, you thought the money issues were just the money issues. You, you thought the marital strife was just the marital strife. You, you thought the loss of job was just the loss of job. You, you thought your children misbehaving was just your children misbehaving. You thought the loss of a loved one was just the loss of a loved one. Sometimes God is using circumstances and people and you think he's detached from it. And in all essence, you're really wrestling with God. So he says, he says, he says, he says that, that, that Jacob was left alone. There was a man wrestling with him until uh, daybreak. It's interesting. It's interesting. This play on words that's taking place here from from wrestled and Jabak, the location and and Jacob's name from from the root word. It, they, 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 they share similarities in sound. And and it, this play on word om, almost in some ways heightens Jacob's name as if to foreshadow that there's something going to take place with his name later on in the text. It says the man wrestled with him until daybreak, and the text seems to suggest that this, this wrestling match was not a short encounter. We don't know at what point in time this man showed up in the night, but we know at some point in time in the night he showed up and they began to wrestle, and now it's almost daybreak, which means they've been wrestling for a while. I don't know if you've ever wrestled with somebody, but, but wrestling with somebody takes a lot out of you. It, 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 like I, I've wrestled with my, I grew up in a house with four boys and we used to wrestle all the time. 
You know, like sometimes as an adult, I like I hate wrestling with my brothers now because I just don't want to expend that unnecessary energy. We grown now. Anybody got time for that? But but if you've wrestled with somebody, even as sport, like wrestling takes a lot out of you. And it is it is like you're using all of your muscles all the time as you try to overcome. And so so we have to understand that that this is not a short encounter. And Jacob is using every part of himself to have to wrestle against this own this unknown man. And so as much as we compare Jacob to Esau and, and Jacob is afraid of Esau, his brother, the Bible even describes uh, 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 Esau as, as uh, being more built and developed and having more hair and, and being more woodsman-like and Jacob was more, you know, in the garden and, and all those types of things. Let's not get it twisted as if Jacob was not strong uh, uh, by himself. Like Jacob, uh, it says uh, in, in chapter 25 that he was grasping at the heel of Esau, uh, that, that there would be a people that would come from him that would be stronger than the people that came from Esau. When he saw Rachel uh, shepherding the flock, he moved this stone uh, uh, to help water Rachel. So you had to be a strong man to move the type of stone that would have been in the way uh, of where the sheep were. And then, and then he had to do 20 years of hard manual labor for his uncle Laban. So, so let's not act like uh, Jacob is just this sissified dude just because he's scared of conflict. From a natural strength perspective, Jacob could probably handle his own. And, 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 and we know that because it says that, that when the man, verse 25, when the man saw that he could not defeat him, he could not defeat Jacob, it, it says that, that the man, uh, he he. Struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated the hip. Now, now th this, this had to be some sort of supernatural blow. Um, you know, there, there are times where you're wrestling and you can accidentally knock a, 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 a joint out of place. Um, but but it's it's somewhat difficult unless you have a previous injury to just punch somebody and knock their joint out of place, especially if you're tangled up with them, you're grappling with them, you're wrestling with them. And, you, you know, all the time, we, like if you're that close in physical combat, you don't always get the opportunity to, to, to like come all the way back and, and wally mop somebody. And so so he he struck him, though, and the strike was hard enough to dislocate his hip. Mm. I don't know if you've ever been injured before, but but dislocating a part of your body is not a pleasant experience. Now, now I've, I've never had a dislocation. I've, I've had some broken bones and, I, you know, I've gotten my teeth knocked out before. I've I've, I've I, man, I used to spend a ton of time in the hospital when I was younger. But 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 I, but I know people who have had uh, experienced having places in their body where their finger, shoulder, hip dislocated. And that is not comfortable in any way, shape, or form. And so I can imagine the pain that is now uh, sinking down, sinking down into Joseph's, not, not only lower extremities, but, but in, in all of his body, just the sharpness and the, the agony of being struck in your hip while you're wrestling somebody and, 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 and your, your hip being dislocated. Now, now, the text doesn't say how hard the strike was, but, but the word here for strike could either indicate a mere touch 
or it could indicate an aggressive strike that's designed to harm. But, but either way, what we see is that Jacob was struck, his hip was dislocated, but he continues to hang on. Mm. I, I don't know if you caught that. It, 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 Jacob was struck, his hip was dislocated, but he continued to hang on. Jacob, obviously, you know, when we talk about an injury such as a dislocation, Jacob obviously was in pain, and yet he still wouldn't let go. Can I ask, what are you wrestling with in your life right now that you know you can't let go of, even though it hurts? What is God calling you to, to look at, about, about listen to me, about you? What is God calling you to look at about you that you don't want to see? Listen, I, I know it hurts and I know it's uncomfortable, but don't let go just yet. Because on the other side of pain, there is peace. On the other side of discomfort, there is deliverance. Whatever you do, don't let go. Joseph, Jacob's response to the man, because the man says, the man, even though he's the one who's, who struck Jacob, and Jacob is the one now in pain, the man, uh, he says to Jacob, let me go for it is daybreak. You would think it'd be the other way around, that Jacob would be the one being asked to let go. And yet the man says, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob's response is, listen, don't think just because you dislocated my hip that I'm going to let you go. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, this request that Jacob makes provides a clue that the real nature of the man is dawning on Jacob as day begins to break. For the inferior would often solicit a blessing from the superior, not the other way around. So there's something about this wrestling that's taking place and something about this personal close encounter, something about the coming of the day where Jacob now begins to know, he begins to sense uh, that it is highly likely and plausible that, that he, who he's wrestling with is more than just a man. And so he begins to solicit this blessing from this superior whoever it is. And it's interesting because the last time that Isaac or that Jacob received the blessing, Isaac had to deceive in order to get the blessing. But now, here in this moment, the only way that Jacob can receive the blessing is by desperation, by clinging, by holding on. And it's clear that Jacob was willing to hold on for an extended period of time, no matter how long it took for that blessing to come. Now, now in response to the man, uh, or, or, or in response to Jacob's question of, or statement, I will not let you go unless you bless me, um, the man's response is interesting because he says, uh, he says, what is your name? I, I like this because, you know, when I, when I read it, it's, 
And it gives me similar vibes, like the question that God asks to Adam when they're in the garden after they've eaten from the tree where, where he says, Adam, where are you? And we know from that encounter that, that, that God is not asking Adam where he is because he doesn't know Adam's physical location. He's asking Adam where he is to see if Adam knows how far he is from God. And, and in a similar way, I, I feel like this, this man asking uh, Jacob what his name is, he is inquiring of Jacob to be able to communicate who he is and who he has been given what his name is. He says, when one remembers that in the Old Testament one's name is linked to his nature, the point becomes clear. Jacob's pattern of life had to be radically changed. In saying his name, Jacob had to reveal his whole nature. Here, the heel catcher was caught and had to confess his true nature before he could be blessed. Esau even uh, 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 makes mention of this back in chapter 24 when, when he tells uh, his parents, he says, surely his name is appropriate for he's cheated me twice already. And so, 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 so even Esau knows that Jacob has lived up to his name as a deceiver and as a cheater and as a swindler. And so for, 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 for Jacob here, the acknowledgement of the old name and its unfortunate suitability paves the way for a new name. See, Jacob had to, in saying his name, Jacob had to admit that he was trifling. And in saying his name, Jacob had to do some soul searching. Jacob had to confront himself. He had to look himself in the mirror and acknowledge that he didn't have it all together. J Jacob, Jacob had to realize that, that Esau was not his biggest problem, that Laban was not his biggest problem, that having all of these extra wives that he didn't love wasn't his biggest problem. He had to reconcile in his heart that his biggest problem was him. So Jacob replies and says, my name is Jacob. Then the man responds, and he says, verse 28, your name will no longer be Jacob. He said, it will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with man and you have prevailed. See, by the change in name to Israel, the passage announces that Jacob's moral character is about to go a metamorphosis. That no longer will the stigma or uh, the stigma of heel catcher and supplanter be uh, attached to him. Listen, listen if, I, if I had a, a, a Baptist hooping, a hooping voice, I, I would shout my way through right now because I, I'm so glad that my identity is not based on who I used to be in the past. That, that with God, I don't have to carry my past 
into my future, that, that when I've come into a saving relationship with Jesus, who is the Christ, all of who I used to be, it doesn't go away, but that's not who I am moving forward. And so though I used to be a liar, I can go forward in truth. Though I used to be a swindler, I can go forward in honesty. Though I used to be engaged in sexual activity, I can go forward in purity. Though I used to be uncontrolled, I can go and be self-controlled. Now, nothing about my past is attached to me as I identity of who I am in Christ. So he said, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the beautiful thing when you, when you come into an encounter with God is that you have to wrestle with truly who you are. And, and guess what? The, the beautiful thing is, is that you, you don't have to, you're, you're not responsible for changing yourself. Like God, you, 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 it's not solely on you in, in, in the work of sanctification. There is a, there is the process where we, we work with God, where we work and God works, where God works and we work, where we work together in a, in a partnership and, and he, and he, he, he helps us to, to take some things off so that we can put some things on and, and we do the work of walking by the spirit so we don't satisfy the desires of the flesh. But, but all I'm here to tell you is that, that when you come into a relationship with, with the living God, who you were doesn't determine who you will be. See, the explanation that we, that we find from the man about this name change, it focus on, focuses on what Jacob has done. Because it says, it says he has, he has struggled with God and he has succeeded with men. In the traditional, traditional translation, the phrase uh, with God and men could be understood as a, as a hendiadis. That's, that's the expression of a single idea by two words or a figure of speech used for emphasis. It, it, it really means that, that you have struggled with everybody, God and men, and have prevailed. And so he changes his name and he says, he says, your life up until this point has been characterized by wrestling against everyone around you, wrestling with everyone around you, with God and with men. And now the renaming of Jacob brings to a climax that lifetime of struggling with others. See, one of the things that we see here is we see Jacob wrestling not only against his circumstances, but also against his character. See, his, his circumstance was Esau. The fact that eventually he would come face to face with the adversary who was physically stronger than he and who he knew could overtake him if he so desired. But his character had to do with why Esau wanted to kill him in the first place. It was a reminder, the wrestling, the acknowledgement of the name was a reminder that he had been trifling in his character. It's interesting that by the time we get to, to verse 28, the, the identity of the man now becomes to get a little or, or now gets to becoming a little bit more clear. And, 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 and at this point, we only know who the man is and that he has some divine origin because of how he defines or describes or the explanation that he gives 
for what Jacob's new name means. It, 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 it marks the shift of Jacob from an outcast and a usurper to the heir of the covenant and the chosen leader of God's people. Because it says that he struggled with God and with man. And so the man is making a connection now between the struggle that he's having here at the Fort of Jabbok and the identity of the man who he's wrestling with as being God. After the man gives him this new name, Jacob then asks him, please tell me your name. Now, a reminder, we're, we're at the, the point of the text where uh, uh, the, the day is breaking in on them and the man has acknowledged that he wanted to be let go before the day hit. And, and so we're getting closer and closer to full daylight here. And there's something about daylight and the, the, the identity of this man that is coinciding. But, but, but Jacob now says, what is your name? And the man simply replies by saying, why do you ask for my name? But he blesses him anywhere. After this, this encounter, this, this wrestling with this man, this wrestling where Jacob was left alone and he came in one way and he left the encounter another way where he came in fearful and desperate and and now he has wrestled through the night and and he's ended up in the day in a different place he looks up and at some point the man has gone and he realizes where he is and there's something about this encounter with God that he says I need to name this place now, I love the idea of naming places based on the particular encounter with God that you had. Because just like for Jacob, we, we need to make sure that we don't forget those places and those stops in our life where God produced something radical in us for his glory and for our good. And so Jacob looks up and he he realizes where he is and he says, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to name this place and I'm going to name this place Peniel for I have seen God face to face. It describes a, a person to person encounter without the help or hindrance of an intermediary, meaning meaning that it was it was him and God right face to face. And he said, yet my life has been spared. Mm. See, God had come as close to Jacob as possible. Remember, like, when, you're, when, you're, when you're wrestling with a, with a man, you, you're close, sharing the same proximity, hands on him. You can feel his breath. You can feel his sweat. You can feel the strength of his hands. And he says, he says, he says, I was, I was face to face. I was like that with God. And yet my life was spared. The passive voice of this Hebrew verb spared suggests that Jacob admitted or Jacob knows that he only lived because God's grace preserved him. And we have to connect this idea of spared 
with why Jacob finds himself here in the first place. See, in verse 11, earlier in chapter 32, Jacob, as Jacob is praying, he, he's, he, he says, please rescue me from my brother for I am afraid of him. And that, that word rescue me is the same word that Jacob uses here in verse 30 for spared. Meaning that Jacob's prayer for deliverance from Esau was answered by God in this face-to-face -face encounter. It, 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 it meant that if, if he could contend successfully with God, then he could then win the battle with man, namely his brother Esau. And so, so in this wrestling that Jacob is doing with God, uh, 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 he is having his prayer answered for deliverance because w w when he asks for deliverance, he's afraid of Esau. But God has to show up on the scene and wrestle with him, wrestle with him about his character, wrestle with him about his fear and his trepidation, wrestle with him about his desperation, wrestle with him about who he's putting his hope in. He says, I, I've got to wrestle with you so that you know that when I preserve you and if I preserve you, it means that every other situation that you're going to go through doesn't really mean anything because you've already wrestled with God. He says, he, says, well, he says, who is Esau when I've wrestled with God? I, I, I don't have to be afraid of what Esau may do to me because I've wrestled with God and yet was spared. Man, can, if I can be honest there, brothers and sisters, there's some wrestling with God that we need to do. We need, we need to wrestle with God so that we can produce hope. We, we need to wrestle with God so that we can have peace. We need to wrestle with God so that we can have endurance and perseverance. That's why, that's why James writes, he, he says, count it all joy when you encounter various struggles for the testing of your faith produces something. See, we, we look at the struggles as, as solely circumstantial situations detached from God. And God is saying, no, you don't realize that when you're wrestling through those circumstances, you're wrestling with me. And when you wrestle with God, it always produces something. As Jacob departs Peniel, he leaves with two things that he didn't bring with him to the Jabbok River. Jacob leaves with a new name and a new limp. The new name will forever remind Jacob of his new destiny. And the new limp will forever remind him that in Elohim, Jacob met for the first time the one who could overpower him. Brothers and sisters, today, I just want you to know that the same one who overpowered Jacob is the same one who put on humility and got up on that old rugged cross and breathed his last so that you and I could be given a new name and a new identity and give praise to him who is worthy of glory, of honor, and of power forevermore. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we are thankful. Thankful that you meet us in times of isolation. 
times like this, like a pandemic, that you use to get us by ourselves so that you can work out of us some of the things that we will need and place in us some of the things that we will need for the journey that is to come. God, might we be inclined to wrestle with you through the hard things of life and not let go. Help us, God, to wrestle with you and not get weary. Help us to wrestle with you and not get frustrated, but to cling to you, God. To hold on to the God of our salvation so that we can receive the blessing that comes from perseverance. Help us, O oh Lord, to walk in the integrity of the new name that we've been given so that our lives might be a living witness of the beauty, the glory, and the majesty of the God whom we serve. God, we pray this day and forevermore, may Jesus reign on the throne and may he be worshiped and adored. And it's his mighty and matchless name we do pray. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you.